Wasn't it a dune buggy at the time? He was in a dune buggy on the highway. On the freeway, which is also <laughs> insane. Well, I was I was telling so someone... He's got wheels. I got a license. I mean, I don't know what's the problem. <laughs> Read the sign, officer. <laughs> the cop drove him to two different ATMs to get a bribe. Because <laughs> <laughs> the first one was broken. You go to the beach? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking love the beach. You take your shirt off? Yeah, I take my shirt off. I'm, I'm cut. Not right now, because I've been eating nothing but birthday cake okay. for six years. But <laughs> <laughs> I am very fit. Okay. Anyway, Great. Mexico City's awesome. Listeners, Ash was very cut. <laughs> I'm very cut. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know if you guys are noticing. I'm trying to change the subject away from Asher's physique. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically an Adonis. Both, both testicles the same size. <laughs> That's inaccurate. That <laughs> um, butt is free of hair. Also inaccurate. Also inaccurate. <laughs> Come on. I mean, naturally, but, you know, I... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you rogue in your ass? <laughs> do, you, do you get for him? That's backwards. Does for, does for him sponsor this show and yeah, you just rub it all on your ass? <laughs> for him's bidet. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. Say hi, Alan. Alan, hi, Alan. you're Alan, not say saying stop. You got a new, you got a new season, new thing. You say, Doctor Alan Sussman. What's up? The Honorable Sam Lazarus. What's up? And our lawyer Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Where you can't you can't spell Asher Lack without hairy ass. <laughs> Is that That's, true? Yeah, oh. look it up. <laughs> look it up. Yeah. Oh God! And today Breitbart. we're talking about. Oh, speaking of Breitbart, <laughs> did I derail this that quickly? <laughs> today we're talking about no. They Live, 1988. Yeah, speaking of John Carpenter, I love this movie. I don't know. I thought this was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is not my first time seeing it, actually. It was my first time, though. I thought I had seen it. I think I'd seen cool. so many clips. I was like, oh, yeah, I know mm. that movie. I was conspicuously aware of not having seen this movie. And yeah. I'm happy to have seen it. Same. Yeah, me too. And yeah, I guess today we're going to be talking a little bit about John um, Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter, far mm-hmm. right propaganda, um, a little bit of David Icke. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What Evergreen you... David Ike. <laughs> yeah. Um... The subtext for every single episode <laughs> we've ever, ever recorded is coming to grips with David Ike. <laughs> well, when you form. say green, I know you're in with the Rothschilds because they are both reptiles and control the money. Yep. These things are not coincidental. <laughs> yeah. The reptiles which... are colorblind. They can only see green, which is why money is green. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Today we're talking about They Live. Now throw it to endorsements. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. I mean, yeah, it's I like I like this movie a lot. I don't know. I mean, it's it's fucking. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's stupid. It's very stupid. It's I don't so know. Okay. Sorry. There were so many moments where I'm like, wait, what is he doing? Like the main character, his actions make no sense. Rowdy really? Roddy Piper, like the like the fight with the dude, like what the we can fuck? get into that. Yeah, we're gonna get into <laughs> we're it. Talk but yes, we can talk the, about that. The fist fight or the wrestling match between Keith David oh, and Rowdy Roddy are. Piper. 
I mean, it's just because like he had in his contract, like, oh, you have to do some of your moves in this movie. Yeah, I guess. You know, okay. it's just yeah. like that's I mean, that's what this is about, well, I that, think. But like everything, that's, it's like sorry, I'll go ahead. <laughs> Well, that's not the whole... Well, did you watch that video that I sent? Yeah, yeah. So right. we're going to talk... Okay. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about sort of some of the both extreme left and extreme right-wing interpretations of this movie because it's touted on both sides pretty strongly, which is wild, and I get why. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, John Carpenter reminds me a bit of the Ramones in that, like, he's this sort of, like, numbskull moron who just, like, <laughs> happened to make couple of really brilliant pieces of art that are sort of <laughs> ciphers like why, open to interpretation why do you think john carpenter is so dumb you've why mentioned you this a ramones couple so times much? in this show i love the ramones that I, you think all of his you think he's just like he's not aware yeah of you how, like tag him you yeah. know on, yeah on what Twitter. is this based on do i yeah you oh. do and i think that he would not be pleased to th- that you think he's a numbskull i no no i, I, I want to <laughs> know what this is ba- what is this based on I s- this so idea there have been interviews with him where he talks about the work that he's done and like i don't think that he has an appreciation like somebody i think the the famous one was like guillermo del toro was like hey the thing is my favorite movie it completely like influenced my entire career i think you're probably one of the most brilliant filmmakers we've ever had and he was like yeah can you believe i got like 50 grand for that movie it's just like like or his understanding of, or maybe he's where, like in the classic that? british tradition taking a piss you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. just like the uh, piss. taking a piss, the piss. <laughs> no, it's taking the piss, taking yeah. the piss. Yeah. yeah, it's a great British yeah. tradition <laughs> of <laughs> urinating. <laughs> they do that. They do that everywhere. They do that. Uh, they're like animals. Hang, hang on, <laughs> shouldn't be allowed to have their own country. Yeah. As a quick what? aside, can we partition uh, England <laughs> down the M1? East well, side goes to India. West side goes to Pakistan. Nice. <laughs> they can't. They obviously can't govern themselves. They're savages, and they, you know. You, I mean, you guys have looked up on Google Trends. I don't even know if Google Trends still exists. They used to have. It Raph, you were the person who told me about this. It's like if you go on Google Trends, you can look up where things are most Googled. And yeah, obviously, like listeners, you guys can go on and Google donkey sex yourselves. Like it has funny results that are somewhat telling. But my shock was when I put water sports golden showers in there. Like the top ten cities were like <laughs> Bristol. Like you know, yes. Northampton, Covington. Yeah, exactly. It was Why like does that surprised you. I don't know. So I think my my beef with John Carpenter, like I don't think it's a beef. Like the the point of view is just sort of based on interviews I've read with him, where he doesn't really think about his movies as pieces of art, or, or he doesn't talk of, about them in those terms. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not like Paul Verhoeven, where when he made Starship Troopers or RoboCop, he was like, no, these are specifically you know, very deep satires of some of like the worst instincts of our political social systems. And I wanted to show them to the people in the sort of horrifying brutality that they embody. This was just sort of like, I want to see Rowdy Rowdy Piper kick some guy's ass and shoot some aliens, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but he couldn't have made all these movies by accident. I mean, they couldn't be, they couldn't be as kind of incisive as some of them are. Or yeah, like I mean, these are like some of the best of anti-authoritarian movies out there, especially we, this one. Yeah, yeah. and anti-authority. Him, you know, I mean, do you think maybe that's just like his point of view, and it's so like kind of uh, you know instilled in him that it just kind of comes out through his movies and he doesn't really think about it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a bit like James Cameron, similarly, has like a very strong political point of view, and it's just going to come out invariably without him saying, like, I'm trying to put this in. I think maybe they live a little bit more than The Thing, um, certainly more than Dark Star, like, is on purpose as commentary. I mean, there's, and we can get into it, but, like, there, there's a few moments where, like, you see Reagan directly quoted by the aliens. So, like, and and he came out and tweeted about this against some of the sort of white supremacists who tried to claim that this movie was about other stuff. And he was like, no, this movie was about, like, Yeah, the yuppies. aliens literally say it's morning in America. Yeah, that was exactly, that was the, yeah. the line that I was thinking it's of. It's not super subtle parody. No. It, or satire. Wait, is the right-wing perspective that the aliens are Jews? Wait, yes. Yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> Can we, uh, let's just set, yes. set the table. So, to set the stage, the movie is the story of John Nada a homeless construction worker living as like a hardcore down and out in LA, um, having migrated there from Colorado, Boulder, yeah. Boulder, because there were no jobs. It was, it was, he was working unclear. in a factory or something and they closed down. It seems like a long trip to find a job. Very long. Well, yeah. Like why wouldn't you go to Denver? Well, he may have been, we didn't go, maybe he didn't go directly from That's there. True. Sam, you yes. always interrogate the, the <laughs> stupid. You're like, you're like, question one, why didn't he go to Las Vegas? It's slightly closer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have shot the movie in Las Vegas just as easily. That's true. I think probably they you shot You wouldn't have the, had Los, Los Angeles' scenic skyline. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't have had nearly as many yuppies also. Yeah. yeah or nearly as much of Skid Row, right? Like, right. I mean... Yeah. So this is really a commentary on Reagan's California. It's a juxtaposition. Yeah, it's absolutely... I mean, the movie is totally a, co- uh, a commentary on all that stuff, right? So, setting the table. So, set the table. So, Rowdy Roddy <laughs> Piper plays John Nada, a migrant worker from... And Rowdy Roddy Piper is a wrestler. Is a wrestler, wrestler, right. He's a professional wrestler. The, He's, the, the actor. Yeah. yeah. With he, surprising range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He goes from dumb to idiot. <laughs> dumb to violent. Um, yeah. So he's, he can do, he can do stupid. I could do punching. <laughs> yeah. I can uh-huh. do sunglasses. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> I, I also can do horny occasionally, but I got to prepare. Right. Um, yeah. So he's... He's in L.A. like working as a... <laughs> only with Frank. I could do horny, but only with Frank. Oh, God. Yeah, and Frank is his friend who he meets at a shelter. Are they friends? Or they meet on the job site. Or they meet on the job site, and then Frank turns him on to the shelter where he can go and stay. Uh, so, you know, he comes to L.A. He's working as a construction worker, and there's like... He lives in this homeless encampment, I guess in Skid Row, which, I mean, the real Skid Row in L.A. is actually, you know, like a shanty town sort of... Again. Yeah, well, it's been that way all along. It's, it hasn't changed. I mean, yeah, it was not nearly as bad as it was in the 80s until recently. And, you know, they should <laughs> emulate our model where 75% of the homeless population works, yeah. has a job, yeah, a nine-to-five yeah. job. Yeah. Like, or, 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 mid, two. Or, min, or two, midnight-to-eight job, yeah. and is living in shelters anyway because the failures of... Yeah, because... Because uh, of Reagan. Well, and yeah. I also I thought that some of the reason that I, that What's this the system that we live under I can't remember what it's called oligarchy. Right? Yeah, that. Thank okay, you. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought that some of the reason, and I was sort of saving this for later, but we can say it now is like some of the reason that that he's so prescient is just that like the stuff that John Carpenter was reacting to at the time happens to be the issues that are plaguing us now. Again. Again. But like, really, they never went away. We they just never sort of, went away. But we kind of did better, and then now we're doing much worse. Yeah, like the economy yeah. outpaced them with growth. 
instead yeah. of solving the actual well, underlying right. problem. I think that's what happened in the 90s, basically. It's like we pumped up the economy and so fewer people had a hard time, but we did it in such a way that it did. I mean, essentially fell apart based on neoliberalism, yeah, right? Exactly. Where it's like, yeah, we're going to shut down factories and move them overseas, but all of our yeah, goods are going to be cheaper. So like it's a quote net win, but like it actually has a much more acute loss than like when you over time. Yeah. Yeah. Over time where it's like, well, we're no longer employing people. So yes, TVs are cheaper. So like the average family saves, <laughs> makes more money, quote unquote, but yeah. Yeah. My so, favorite thing about that is that they actually don't lower the prices of TVs. Well, or housing. Or yeah, housing. or anything. Right. I mean, and that's the ultimate. So you get like a boost of steroids and then we're all fucked 30 so years later. He's at the homeless encampment and he sees in a church like some semi suspicious things going on uh, between the guy who seems to be like sort of in charge involved in the church in some way. It's not really it's not really said if he's a pastor or whatever. But there is a pastor there, but the blind, who, you know, who like blind the blind pastor. pastor who preaches on the uh, he sees preaching on the steps of. Yeah. Uh, you know, some municipal building at some point he's, and he he's sees the police as street preacher, street preacher. And the cops come to, you know, interfere. And, you know, John, not a skedaddles uh, later on. He sees him talking to the guy who sort of is in charge of coordinating the encampment, passing out food and what have you. And he sees them going to the church and he gets sort of suspicious about it. it. Seems a little like it's a little late night activities that they're kind of like being. Uh, you know, coy, not coy, what's the Surreptitious. Word? Surreptitious, secretive about. So he goes in at, uh, later and he sees like boxes and boxes, lots of cardboard boxes. Full of sunglasses. Full of sunglasses and including that. a false wall that has another box full of sunglasses on it, which comes into play later. Little does he know they're actually red pills. That's a thing people say on Twitter. <laughs> um, so they're watching TV, you know, at, and uh, someone jams the TV saying no, this uh, this guy kind of looks like George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. Like really <laughs> more than is reasonable. Looks like George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin on a diet. George R. George R. R. Martin after an ultra marathon <laughs> and like an eight ball. Well, I think <laughs> so, like he's coded almost as like a professorial, like the yeah. kind of joke that you might have had about like a left wing almost like pre-boomer in the 60s, where it's like, oh, this old stuffed shirt, tweed-wearing socialist idiot with his dumbass beard is like, got a crappy signal on he's, our yeah, TV he's, station. Yeah, he's like yeah. sort of like the stereotypical, you know, doom, doomsayer. Like, you know, how people are sort of programmed to discredit, uh, you know. Yeah. As one does. You're given you're given an archetype in, in film and in other... Uh, <laughs> in other modes of communication, um, you know, which becomes ideological in how you perceive things. Uh, Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Tying it all in. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we're, gonna, we'll get into it. We'll get, get into, into it. S- Slav boys, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, basically the police come and raid the encampment and mostly kill everyone there, but nada escapes. And he's sort of left at loose ends. He's wandering around. And the entire time we see this journey, there's a very, like, oppressive overall vibe of media that's just being, like, pushed down on him. So everywhere he looks, there's, like, billboards and television and magazines and just, like, things telling him or, you know, showing him essentially pictures of, like, the life you deserve to have and this beautiful sort of other world. And eventually he ends up back in the church and he finds a like a box full of these sunglasses and puts them on. And this is sort of, I was kind of surprised how late the box. in the movie 
Oh, he hides the box in a trash can. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking, I mean, well, what it's rowdy, thing rowdy about Piper. this movie is that a lot of it takes place in like trash. Yeah. Yeah. Or like places that you would assume be dirty, but everything feels very clean. Like, I, I noticed that, right? Like, the trash is all just basically paper. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And like shredded paper. Thing, yeah. yeah well, wow. I, I sort of just assume it's an interesting, yeah. It's an interesting aesthetic. I just sort of, I noticed that too, and I chalked <laughs> it up to like, there's a couple scenes where Roddy is kind of dirty. Yeah, but it's he gets but mostly as he's the movie goes yeah, over. Right? Yeah, but it's not yeah. mostly he's pretty oiled up. It's not <laughs> yeah, he is super greased. Oh man, and he's got like hard roid biceps. Yeah. <laughs> um it's doing it for you. Yeah, totally. Um I feel like maybe as a cinema thing, like the idea of actually disgusting garbage doesn't happen until David Fincher. He's the one who like really uh, to some degree you see it in like even like Alien is clean. Aliens, even for like how disgusting that the alien hive thing. Yeah, yeah as like as gross it is as it is, it isn't that horrifying compared to like, you know, when Seven came out. I think that was like a vision of how disgusting a world could be. Like, like yeah, a, a I'm sure there are space that looks examples. really dirty. Yeah, that's interesting. I I don't know. I mean, you know, to some degree, like like Terry I mean, you're Gilliam, always saying Star like, Trek is dirty. No, Star Wars is dirty. Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is dusty, but I never. It's like there's a wet, gross dirtiness to it. The the well, filmmaker. Tarkovsky, I was about man. to say Tarkovsky. Everything is, the one is who, damp. Yeah, <laughs> everything is damp, and like you can kind of smell it through the screen. You can like smell <laughs> the clothes of the actors. You're just like, oh. Yeah, you can feel so the filth. In a way Tarkovsky's that this movie, movie have. smells like a not good thrift shop. the turning point in the movie i was kind of surprised by how late it comes because it's about if this movie is an hour and a half it comes about 35 minutes in when nada puts on the sunglasses that he finds and discovers that essentially the world has been taken over by these monstrous aliens that he can now see when he wears these glasses can i just say the least believable thing about this movie is a pair of sunglasses that turn everything monochrome <laughs> I mm. I really liked that contrast though. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's a great device. But like, how would so you, you build such? You a couldn't device? even. Uh, how could you not have sunglasses that turn the world? Never, never mind shedding the scales of <laughs> ideology from our eyes. That would be great. Right. But you can't have black and white sunglasses. Not passive ones. Like you could have screens and cameras. A filter that turns things black. I and mean, white, like yeah. you could use any filter to turn something monochrome. Right, only filter filter everything except one color of light. Right, but black isn't a color, and white isn't a color. Oh yeah, so you can't filter everything for all of the colors and none of the colors. Right, right, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Ain't no W in Roy G. Biv. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't. That's not a coincidence. All right, (laughs) that's the elders of Zion. Right, that's Jacob, Doctor Jacob. (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Now anyway, I don't like yeah. this movie anymore. Thanks. That Sam. was my only comment about the movie. You yeah. guys can just take well, it. From that's me. <laughs> and so when he, I thought one of the cool things, which uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, was like when he puts on the sunglasses and the the text that appears on everything. So like all of the kind of news broadcasts, advertisements, uh, sort of you know general information, whatever he sees, is all in the same font. Yeah. And that font is I from font. the artist Barbara Kruger. I don't know okay. if you guys knew that. Uh, you might recognize her stuff. I mean, now we know it from Shepard Fairey because yeah. he sort of took over that aesthetic and the 
literal word obey yeah. from this movie. Yeah. But before him, this woman, Barbara Kruger, which... Did he get sued for that? No. I mean, you There's can't copyright lawsuit. an idea. But yeah, you might recognize Barbara Kruger's work from... She did a bunch of like t-shirts and posters for Rage Against the Machine. I think she did some anti-smoking ads as well. But anyway, yeah, she's a pretty famous breakthrough artist. So I would be hard-pressed to think that she took it from John Carpenter, but maybe. <laughs> it's interesting well, really to think that... Guy. No. Oh, wait, this is a guess? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's interesting to think that this stuff is now, like, licensed. So, every, you know, how everything becomes appropriated. <laughs> like, you know, like, someone is, like... It reminds me a little bit of the Supreme logo, actually. I don't know if it's yeah. actually yeah, the same it, font. Yeah, it is the same font. It totally. is the same font, yeah. So, like, this, this you know, this signal is appropriated. Uh, like, this very s- strongly anti-consumerist signal right. is taken and reappropriated as is a completely consumerist. Is that irony? Uh, it's irony. It's I, it's I first it's as tragedy, yeah, right. then as let's, farce. Let's call it yeah. irony. <laughs> and now as tragedy again. Um, yeah, I think they even have shirts that say stuff like "Obey Worldwide Propaganda." Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think the reality of it is, is when he started using that font and using that logo and saying "Obey," he was a graffiti artist on the street. So it was like probably it started as something anti-capitalist, and then obviously. You know, for for our <laughs> conspiracy homies who think that like everything is the work of some fucking sinister cabal, the reality of the situation is just like you know the the organism basically is capable of absorbing all opposition into itself. <laughs> the organism <laughs> being capitalism, yeah, yeah <laughs> essentially. Like, there's oh, no. I'd love to hear this from you. Well, it's, I'm it's, loving this. This is great. Asher has grown over did, the course. You of the open show. up your third. I know this is amazing. Like you open up your third. Wait, eye what did Asher use? That conspiracy think? theories are bunk, largely, and uh, that the real conspiracy theory is that we live in a bad world. No, <laughs> because I, I, I don't even think it's that we live in a. The greatest conspiracy <laughs> is that we've made a shitty world for ourselves. I. I think sorry. that that's no. I think that's reductive a little bit. I mean, yes, yes I agree. I, I agree with really? you. I'm sorry. Wait, hold on a second. I agree with you wholeheartedly that that basically is it. Is like the real conspiracy is that you know the wealthy and powerful can absorb all opposition into themselves. You know, reappropriate it and make it another arm of their propaganda. I don't necessarily think that they're all meeting in a room deciding on that. They're like, oh, this guy's making money. Let's go threaten him until it's like, no, you just, you know, you go like, oh, that thing's making money. Let's do it. Okay, cool. You're part of us now. And of course, what's yeah. Shepard Ferry going to do? Like, this is my fucking art, man. It's like, this, no, I don't think it's this is how, this is how I cleave this. It's like, it's not saying that conspiracy theories can't exist. They certainly do exist. And oh, they yeah. probably even abound in some way. Content warning for Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, you know me. I'm not very prone to this sort of thinking. But I don't know. It's he, pretty suspicious. I know. It's pretty suspicious. He was yeah. pretty that, fucking murdered. Yeah, I mean... That stuff is, like, a little absurd. But anyway. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's like the idea that the things are okay until the conspirators take it into the realm of evil is an inversion of the truth, which is that things are set up to be bad and that it needs no conspiring to make things bad. Yeah, I guess right? I, I guess my only disagreement it's is... Like you don't need the Illuminati. No, you don't need you the Illuminati. You have Jeff Gates. Yeah. Well, and I think it's not... I don't necessarily... I didn't say anybody who would, I think would be offended by that. No. <laughs> just, just bleep... It'll be Jeff Beep. And Bill Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to think we said Epstein and Clinton. All right. <laughs> but, I'm into that. Uh, I think my only disagreement with you on that, Raph, is that, like, 
insane characterizing things as bad. I don't necessarily know that it's bad. I think it's self-interested. I think that's yeah. the real thing is that nobody sets out to do evil as like a as an action. We turn our back right. from the collective and that's it's what the, evil is. It's like the that's, profit motive. It's, you know, that your goal, one's goal in our system is to, at the expense of others, do well. Right. I mean, that's just what profit means, right? Yeah, and so, I think I think part of, like... Obviously, I feel like I've been radicalized yeah. by my job a little bit, but also I think <laughs> I think in watching these movies, I think in watching these movies, I've come to a different point of view on a lot of this stuff. And, and a lot of the work we do on the show is really about Perfect. recognizing, yeah, I mean, I guess I do a fair amount of research for the show and God knows I edit our conversations a lot. That's work for sure. Um, you do research for this show? Yeah, sort of. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You I did enjoy it at one point. Yeah, you did oh, do yeah, it one point for the one when, oh, No, no, no. <laughs> when we do science episodes, Alan is oh, like... for Interstellar, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I mean for Interstellar, for, for Inter- Contact. I read most of a book. Yeah. Um, but essentially, some of the... Not work, a whole book. Like, for, what was the one with the robot? Um, the black hole. Alan wasn't no, on that episode. Not that one. The hot robot. <laughs> kind of oh, re- oh, Ex Machina? Yeah, that's the one. What, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, what kind of research uh, did you do? Oh, I did research for that one. I yeah. reread uh, the, the Blue and Brown books. There we go. Friend, by my friend Luddy. That was We used to care. We used to care. I think we still do. I don't know. <laughs> That's the story of America too, though. So Well, That's also, America. we've been doing some pretty lowbrow shit this season so far. So for like for sure. But there isn't a lot of like I'm sure for two thousand one we'll get like plenty of I don't know. <laughs> we'll all drop Are acid doing, together. Yeah. Ooh. I thought that would be the season finale. Um, all dropping acid <laughs> and doing a live recording. <laughs> and we just I make think up we gotta the movie give, as we go. So I think that I, you know who I'm speaking to. I think we got to give Asher a microdose. A microdose. A microdose. <laughs> I've been microdosing since I was like ten. Yeah, apparently. Oh, yeah. Right. Apparently, <laughs> whose fault is it? <laughs> it's homeopathic. But Mi- microdosing. <laughs> microdosing on neuroses. Or? Yeah. So I'm going to cut all of that. But but essentially, what, <laughs> <laughs> what what I wanted to say was yes. In in doing some of the work for this show, I think that my mind has been reset on a vision of a future that necessitates sort of collective solidarity. And I think that's the place where, uh, you know, because it, when we watch all of these movies that talk about a future, and obviously, like, the idea of exploring a future kind of has to be through a protagonist. So it's that's going to kind of necessarily be authoritarian in some way. Right. But when every vision of the future, the only kind of future that's in any way successful is the kind where people come together and sort of say, hey, these are the rules and this is the world we want to live in and let's actually enact that in a positive, pro-collective way. So you're saying that we've made you a socialist? I guess, or just, I, I don't already know. A socialist. I was already a socialist. Yeah. I just, no. th- I, I guess I just think the methodology for how one arrived at that is what my mind sort of changed on. Like in, order, in other words, like you support the party model. Like let's let the party make everything good for everybody. Opposite. No, I feel or like you used to. I I used to. Yeah, I right. used to really like be much more authoritarian, and I think right. now I'm a little bit chiller about like no, actually it needs to be collective. Cool. Vote Bernie. You sound like a commie. I don't think I'm not a commie. I don't think that we should be like. Pinko. I, I mean, <laughs> I do, I do think that like it would be fucking awesome if you know Just somebody cut Bloomberg's dick like off, <laughs> took his money, and like gave it to all the homeless people off. in New York. Like, that'd be fucking dick. rad. Yeah. I know he has a dick because I saw him at a gay nightclub in my neighborhood one time, and his dick was out. 
<laughs> Allegedly. Dude, I've hung out a, at a lot of gay clubs. Oh, yeah, for sure. And not... And we have been, and we were, we were <laughs> Wasn't yeah. that the thing we were trying Sam's to prove? Sam's right, yeah. That's true. Right. So I guess he does have a penis. Oh, yeah. wow. this is, learn something every day. This is some deduction, which is, guys. Which is why we need to cut that shit off and then feed okay, his fine. money to the homeless. How are those related? Feed is... What good one? But that's not... How so anyway, works. about the thing. <laughs> I mean, they live. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. So uh, basically... I know you don't know. <laughs> basically, the rest of the movie follows... Basically, the rest of the movie. The, the rest of the which movie. Is the entire plot you need to be concerned about. Follows Nada as he attempts to take down the aliens who are subverting the world. Right? He tries to get it's his hilarious. buddy Frank. Well, I, I don't think we fully explain. Like, there's two things that happen when you put on the sunglasses. One yeah. is that every, like, or I guess you did say this, every sign that you see, you see, like, the maybe subtext or ideology, subliminal message, subliminal message yeah. behind it, right? Things like obey he looks at money it says this is your god yeah and it definitely matches up it's not like random propaganda messages it's like there's one right. where there's like a woman on the beach and yeah it's like marry and reproduce right right yeah. and then the other thing that happens is he looks at some people and they are aliens some yuppies some yeah, they yuppies. tend to be yeah. they tend to be yeah they're like the people who the are succeeding in world yeah. in the world yeah yeah and they also all have communicators that are rolex watches yeah right yeah so and teleporters yeah and teleporters so uh, you know the rest of the movie essentially follows him trying to recruit and he ends up joining a resistance movement to take down or kill the aliens and the the idea is that the aliens have come to earth to get to basically enslave us it was kind of unclear what they're yeah they Um, they, explain it they're like colonizers they're colonizers and they, they go from and this is actually the interesting part because this is fairly early in the global warming slash climate change um uh idea but i think that you know it was Mm. you know in in the history of that of that being in the public consciousness to the 88 to the degree that it would impact like a a major mainstream work of art but this is definitely you know it is solidly in the like uh pollution is destroying our planet um you know like it's compromising our way of life you know uh, in some sense that we are ravaging nature but the idea is that they're colonists and they go from planet to planet and basically treat the planet as a commodity that they will like uh, exploit and excise until it is uh completely used up do they say that yeah and they, they, say, yeah. they mention at one point that they're also i guess you would call it xenoforming that like they're that they want the temperature yeah they're turning right they're changing the temperature to be more equitable to them or something yeah Yeah, to make it more like more yeah make it their temperature i think it's more like they just want to populate the planet isn't that it i think the idea is they're extracting resources oh really and And they use up resources they strip mine and then they leave which is like Mm. kind of brilliant because like you know it's like you you see now the way this is reflected now with the people who are have the ability to put a stop to this inexorable march of intense climate catastrophe and possible and i would say probable human extinction climate apocalypse climate apocalypse and like the the intransigence they show and just like this like selfish unwillingness to do anything about it this is alien like this is not human it is not human to not care about this isn't that to be face- what's that 
Isn't that everybody? Isn't it that is 90% it, of people? Well, no, yeah, not in the way that people. So yeah, the reactionary there, shitheads are no, like... There is a debate about this, is that people are very bad at long-term planning or thinking or thinking or like actually feeling fear and cognizing threats that are far off in the future. We deal much better with immediate threats. That's something that's been demonstrated. And I, I believe that. I mean, that just like intuitively mm-hmm. makes sense to me. But just like the degree to which like faced with... People who should know better. Right. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Yeah, like there's a big difference between uh, <laughs> Secretary of State or... Rex fucking Tillerson. Yeah. The guy who only worked at Exxon for his entire life yeah. before joining the fucking government. I mean, there's a huge cabal of people who are behaving evilly. Mm-hmm. It's it's evil. Well, well it's I mean, what it is. It's yeah. like naked self-interest. It's, it's worse than self. I mean, thought. one day... I refuse to cleave the two. I don't... Well, no, I, I mean, I'm really saying another another way of thinking about it is that they just don't have empathy for other creatures. Like, it's just they think that the most important thing is bottom line. I would say that that's that constitutes evil. Like, oh, I, okay, I think sure. that it, not everything self-interested is inherently evil, but that, it's like the, the, yeah. <laughs> the that doing something self-interested that is also uh, inevitably harming to other people and to the human species in total is he? I don't yeah. think they. I don't know. They're just being self-interested, right? I mean, they have different like people that they're speaking for, right? Yeah, but they're self-interested as a group themselves. Yeah, so it's not like they're they're yeah, individually self-interested to the to the exclusion of all companies. others in the entire world. Really? Well, let's let's quickly know, hang they? on. Let's take a minute to pause and kind of point out the no? sort of two biggest right. culprits in this arena, which one is Exxon, who had knowledge of global warming in the 70s mm-hmm. and much like cigarette companies who had knowledge that they their product it. caused cancer not only did they bury it but they spread misinformation so that people wouldn't believe it when it did come out and we've seen those effects today and i would say the other biggest culprit of this which obviously is not about global warming but is about other stuff and we discussed it quite a bit in our episode on the thing john carpenter fucking chaos god mm-hmm. um is fox news right where it's like you know, the Republican Party, when faced with the reality that the majority of people don't want to vote for right wing positions, decided rather than change their positions, they would destabilize a notion of shared truth. And so Roger Ailes, who was an operative for Nixon, helps to found a news organization that basically deconstructs the idea of shared truth. And so it's like, yeah, I, I think that those two things are to what Raph says, essentially evil. Well, I just want—I yeah. just want to answer. I, I just—I do want to answer, Alan. I, I think that um, language is slippery, and I think that when you say somebody is, somebody is self-interested, I don't think I—I'm not referring to like total total solipsism. Like I don't think that Pompeo is pursuing his person. I think if it got down to brass tacks, he probably would. I, I don't think he's pursuing his personal individual interest or even expanded to his family exclusive to everybody else he's able to locate himself within a group of people um and he's able to maybe even like extrapolate ways in which his viewpoint could be beneficial to large groups of people but nevertheless this is still uh still actively pursuing a path causing to happen things which will annihilate many people and there is not a uh, coherent way for him to say that's not true, you know, not without some like s- s- deep, deep, deep self delusion, which may be happening, but I think more likely. I, I, 
Yeah. Oh, I see. There's I some self delusion. I think the more I mean, likely I, case uh-huh. is that what you know Slav Boy talks about <laughs> is that you get to if you what ideology is, and I'm not sure why he uses ideology versus dogma. I think it's intertwined with propaganda. It's not the same thing though, because propaganda is you know obviously means something different. It's a, a force acting upon the subject. Ideology yeah. is something that within the subject, You're the subject talking contains. About Slava, 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 I reject the ideological political spectrum. I think that is ideological. I think that allows us to view things mm-hmm. under a certain lens that situates the center as meaning, as, as being the most reasonable and the center in, does represent interests of a certain group. Yeah. The center does, is an ideology. Point. It's not the balance of ideologies. It is itself an ideology which perpetuates the interests of a certain group. I do not believe that there is a left and the right. Yeah, I, I agree think, with you. I think I am a centrist. Yeah. I'm interested in the well-being of the most people. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people would probably call me left-wing. I fucking reject that. I do not use that terminology. Would, some people would call you right-wing. Some people probably <laughs> would call, some people would call some you right-wing. Would I think I have. Right-wing. Yeah, they like <laughs> live in trees and like make their own moccasins. And they're like, <laughs> no, see, so you're man, proving you're not point right now, No, I know, actually. I know. I know I am, Sam. That's I it. get it. That's I'm just, the whole point. And I think it's a really good point, actually. Like... That Wait, we, whose point? Your point. That oh, we are not. Sam that we. My point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we alienate people who have ideas that aren't quote mainstream by calling them lefties. Like, yeah. but you know, most of the ideas that you call lefty, like living in a tree. How long did mankind live in little villages and little huts and in trees, and and in 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 perfectly you know harmonious living with their their environment. Yeah, and yeah, this is you're doing it too. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know what you're getting at. This is where I'm saying we, we <laughs> I'm saying we make fun of people that we think of as like out there hippies, lefties uh-huh. who live in the woods and make their own clothes. Yeah, but I also but like, know I've known some of those people and hated them. So yeah, I have personal me too. experience. <laughs> no, but but have you ever known somebody them. like that that isn't garbage? Because I have. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of people yeah. that just go and live in the woods because they want a simple life. My friend Rain Stick. Here it comes. So okay, all right. So <laughs> so. Because I think Alan and I both have like fascist tendencies, and I think that they you guys have been brainwashed. You think it's funny that people might love love and peace? No, I think I also I also think. I mean, I don't know how exactly this, you know, relates to the other things we were talking about, but I I think maybe one issue with with liberals or something is that like what it means to be left wing actually sort of varies as a function of location. Yeah. Um, and right? ideological and so position. What do you mean? Like I what? mean, like what I call a lefty is different than what you know Hillary Clinton calls a lefty. That's true, right? And yeah, so there's all these subgroups that actually think of what it means to be left wing very differently, and it's hard for them to actually come together. I, I think. I mean, not maybe not maybe very differently is 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 uh is too strong of a word when it comes down to what they basically believe. There's a there's a lot of overlap. Maybe too much overlap, in in my opinion. But certain details that they really care about actually can vary a lot as as a function of like location or socioeconomic group or things like that. So I just I want to just keep on piling up support for <laughs> Sam's point. 
is that we are wait i thought it was your point no it was your point about i mean like yeah so it's like we, we we mock these ideas we have a sort of inculcated loathing for sincerity and authenticity <laughs> yeah it's true and, and this is and but this yeah like you said east coast this is a function of of i think where we were brought up that's my opinion yeah i, th- I think there's probably something to do with it this you know it's it, it's a cultural like it's a cultural paradigm I know. that i, I get, exist in you i mean guess cynicism is a new york thing is that what you're saying Somewhat, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a thing based in the sort of privilege that we have as people who have access to the sort of wealth of the empire, right? Like we're in the capital of the place where the most nice stuff flows through so we can afford yeah. to be cynical about it. I mean, I think my cynicism comes from watching Reality Bites. Fair enough. Well, I, and I was going to say like my fascistic <laughs> tendencies come from the desire for achievement. Like I love the idea of sort of decentralized power you know, small groups, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's a very bad model when you actually want to do something like shoot a rocket to the moon. Obviously, like you need people who are good at organizing other people. And that is inherently not reactionary, but that is inherently sort of fascist. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, again, to me, it almost feels like uh, not physics, but like entropy and broad definition of fascism. Uh, no, I guess, and this he again. Authoritarian. So, like, this goes back yeah, to Zizek, so. where he talks about in in his book in defense of lost causes, which I have not even come close to finishing or understanding. But he talks about how, you know, things like the French Revolution were wrong steps in the right direction. So it's like we do. He does have like an argument for some kind of authoritarian action because He's famous for his defense of the French Revolution, actually. Like that's like that's sort of um, it's interesting these these things that uh, because of <laughs> how these how it's turned out ideologically get lost in time. The idea that the way the French Revolution is fixed in the collective imagination is you know this it stands in. It's a story we tell. We live by these stories. We live by these myths. You know our our dreams of the future. Our science fiction. Our science fiction Ooh. is that uh, the French Revolution. This idea that you could create a utopia, this idea that you cr- could create out of the de- like the tattered fabric of a totally uh, regressive and immoral and you know basically decadent, pu- decadent, putrefying society that you could create something beautiful and perfect out of it. Like this idea is like totally been flushed down the toilet, and the way that the French Revolution has been thought of. And and that and th- and that that was the basis for it. Like that was like the way it's been. T- if you if you no one actually. I mean, very few people actually study the history of this. Like I'm not saying that this is like in the collective imagination because you know all the school children are like taught like French Revolution was this you know uh, the Enlightenment attitude of like creating a perfectly logical and orderly system amongst mankind and it failed, which means that it's not possible to create such a perfect system. Like no one is no no one talks about that. But that's the subject. But that's the subject. That is the subtext, how it's taught. And that is what the um the powers that be, the people who have uh who took power from the revolutionaries and continued have continued to have power this is the same class have continued to have power ever since then have pounded on this uh this this sing, single note they've continued to play a single note of it's not possible it's not possible and i think that it's very intelligent to and it's right to say like why right why isn't there a third option 
Right. And I guess the third option is some kind of, it's like some system by which you have yeah. why collectivization. Is it, why is this version of civilization or barbarism? Yeah, why but, is it one or the other? Yeah. Why can't we have, you know, exactly like decentralized power with centralized goals? The thing that drives like, me crazy about this discussion is like nearly every society on earth currently does some collectivism and some sort of free market liberal policy. We all do it. Every right. every modern country does that, right? Yeah. So the idea that we have in this country that that collectivism cannot possibly be a solution to any problem, and that free market is the only reasonable solution, like it's not just obviously false. It's obviously false in America. We have yeah. socialized programs in America that work better than any of the private ones. Yeah, I mean, but try saying that to like fucking blue lives matter shitheads. Try saying to them like. Oh, you guys like police? That's a social program. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not my favorite example, but yeah, but but, true. but you know, or you guys like paved roads? Like um, police are, I think, you know, in the way that it plays out, I think a little bit more of a private army style yeah. thing than they yeah. are like a social program. Well, now because I mean, or I guess always, not now, always, right? They are an arm of the they're wealthy yeah, or they're whatever. Arrest, they're they're arresti- okay. arresting churro vendors in <laughs> Broadway Junction. <laughs> it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what? Like, why? Broadway Junction is <laughs> the they worst. They didn't taste very good. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> just stale. She wouldn't give me a, free, a freebie. Where's, where's the chocolate dipping sauce that they got at that other place? So wait, what does this have to do with the movie we watched? Yeah, so to bring it back to the end of the movie, essentially John Nada, you know, gets woke, convinces his friends... Uh, to join the resistance after the, we, most after the pummeling, ever. yeah, he which, pummels them into taking these glasses. They yeah. pummel each other. They pummel right. each other. P.S. If somebody was pummeling me to get them to get me to put on sunglasses, I'm pretty sure I would just put on the sunglasses. Well, that's the point, right? Yeah, the, I mean that's that scene point. is that's drags on forever. Yeah, Wait, and and Slavoj Zizek, Zizek has like a like a whole section of his speech about what that scene means. Okay. And why he thought that it was like really important to the movie's, I guess, left wing message or like message about solidarity. As it turns out, it's just Rowdy Roddy Piper's yeah. contract. Yeah, exactly. I know. I when I saw that, ten I was minutes like, minimum. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I got to win. Yeah. I got to show uh-huh. my delts, my yep. lats, my scrotes. <laughs> uh, apparently, that's like a thing in the scrotes. In the Fast and the Furious contracts is that none of them are allowed contractually to beat each other in a fight. So they're always like, you're, you're out of line. You're out of line. Like, and then they fight and then it's like, oh, oh, you're lucky you held me back. It's like, I don't know. That's I the thought, same. Yeah. That's awesome. So the reason that scene is so long, according to Zizek, Zizek? Zizek, Zizek yeah. Zizek. Is, is that it's about how how much you don't want to see the world for what it is. Like you're so steeped in ideology that you will have this tremendous fight and risk your life in order to not see past it. His big reading of the movie was that obviously this movie is about sort of solidarity, you know, um, overthrowing the yoke of capitalist oppression or whatever, but more so the degree to which we've all internalized these things. Because in most science fiction, and I thought that this was a really interesting point, you usually overthrow the system by having the veil taken off your eyes. So like you're wearing something and you're, you know, it's not right. part of who you are, right? Like so like the matrix. Yeah, you're yeah. trapped in the matrix or, you know, yeah, I think that was the, the big example that he used. 
Um, and so you, you know, you unplug and you get out. And he was like, in this movie, it's the opposite. The ideology is internalized. You can't escape it. You actually have to have something come from the outside and remove it from you. And I thought that was kind of like the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. The sunglasses or smashing yeah. the transfer. Uh, sla- Slappy zigzag had a great reading of this, of this movie. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So then Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David, who by the way is in this and the thing and is pretty amazing in both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Indeed. Um, they come together and do like an assault on the TV station that's been beaming the they signal to everybody. And the they signal? The they signal. I don't know. The alien signal that that has essentially made all of the human beings. They find out that the transmitter is on the roof. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That doesn't make They go and they shoot either, up the place. Yeah. <laughs> workplace shootings, workplace mass what? killings are maybe not as chill anymore they made me a little <laughs> uncomfortable not gonna lie yeah that's very true yeah especially wow. since they don't know people can't see that they're aliens yeah right. yeah it's like you know this the, the trauma that they induce in people yeah it's, yeah. it's horrifying mm-hmm. yeah and then um they Keith get, david get, gets murdered by like the sort of pseudo love interest in the movie who's barely in it for more than like five minutes yeah, right? this movie also barely has women in it yeah Except the last scene. Except the last scene has what a woman in it. What the fuck is that? Okay. Oh, hang on, hang on. So he blows up the transmitter. Wait. So she betrays Keith David. He manages to shoot the transmitter with a pistol, and it blows up. Not not top notch transmitter. Yeah, not a very good. <laughs> oh transmitter. yeah, that was the other comment I wanted to make. Couldn't a storm have done that also? Like at any time. You would think they don't that have the, storms the one on, on machine, Nebulon or whatever. No, it's LA. <laughs> Los oh, it's LA. That's why. Yeah, oh, it doesn't shit. rain. <laughs> yeah. Seriously though. Wait, and what, are the, what is what is okay? Oh, Sam, this is right. something you would have thought of. What's the range on this transmitter? They have different ones in different uh, cities. The whole world, apparently. Yeah, it's a dumb end of sci-fi movie. I mean, that's you mean a the trope. Transmitter, you mean yeah, I mean, destroying the transmitter. even and it was interesting because it's like we had something like ten minutes left in the movie before they do the assault on the TV station where it's unclear what they're going to do. And then they're just like, oh, it's just this one place and we'll knock it out. Which again, you know, is such a dumb, like 80s action movie kind of trope of like... The movie's like pretty campy, right? Oh, yeah. 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 He blows it up and then with his, he gets shot. Rowdy Roddy Piper gets shot. (laughs) And with his dying, with his dying gesture, he gives a middle finger. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. The alien's a middle finger. Yeah. Like take that. Yeah, um, you did it. And then we the transmitter just watch cuts out. Movie that ends in a f- middle finger. I don't know, but this final line was well, amazing. This final so, line had me like yeah, doubled yeah. over laughing. I was freaking out, laughing so hard at this because well, they destroy the transmitter, they destroy the- and then everyone can see the aliens for who and they people are. People start freaking out. It's right. like, what's wrong with your face? Oh my god! Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like, there's an, a woman. Like, it cuts to a shot of like, um, you know, waist up of a uh naked woman who is you know she's definitely riding somebody and she's looking seems at the a little TV. bored thing what seems a little bored seems a little woman. bored yeah. with her, with what's go- with the proceedings <laughs> she's looking at the tv and she i think she sees that like some crazy shit is going on she's like what and she looks down and the person <laughs> she's riding is like an alien with like this like super freaky face and like it, it cuts to the alien and he goes Hey, what's wrong, baby? <laughs> baby, baby, what's wrong? Then baby, credits. what's wrong? Roll credits. And then roll yeah. credits. This yeah. is fucking insane. I love that. <laughs> so, of course, this movie is like pretty on the nose about Reaganomics and and basically like the war against the Reaganomics. Yeah, you didn't think? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Th- I mean, 
I don't know. The, like the whole specifically, it I don't know. The whole backdrop of the movie is like everybody is coming into Los Angeles because their factories factories are being shut down. Yeah. There's like a lot yeah, of talk. Yeah, David also said that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about unions being sort of yeah, dismantled. But it, yeah. or, but it never exactly sends up Reaganomics. It's just like talking about the. the I mean, it is a shrinking middle class at one point. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. Yeah. But that's. I mean. But they never place the blame yeah, yeah. on Reagan capitalists. But they do. Reagan. I mean, they, the the aliens literally say it's morning in America, which was Reagan's campaign. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't think it's quite fair to say it's on the nose. Okay, like, they never say it in the movie outright. Yeah, no, they never say it in the movie outright. Um, <laughs> but I'm Ronald Alien. <laughs> yeah, I'm Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Yeah, this made during the Reagan administration. Uh, this was made. Uh, right I guess it was made during the Reagan administration. It was released like right around the time of Bush one. Yeah, yeah eighty eight right. is the Bush one election. Hmm. Um, so this movie on its face has a pretty left wing message, which I know we talked about not sort of polarizing our discussion of things in those terms, but. Uh, Spectrumizing, but we can. Yeah, I mean, there's also a pretty hard far right interpretation of this movie that it's actually about getting woke. I couldn't. Yeah, red killing. Yeah, the Jewish conspiracy. I couldn't possibly look into this. I did. Well, I I remember when I was watching this movie. Like, it's about. It's really just about yuppies, I guess. Like the aliens are just yuppies. But I remember when I was watching this movie, like thinking this could easily be taken for like a xenophobic message because it's about an alien race that is coming to the earth. And, and basically anytime you have a certain group of people and you look at them and you're like, well, how come so many of those people are like at the top? Like this could, you could take this as a secret message about that. Right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the reason that a lot of the <laughs> like red pill or like online reactionaries specifically talk about it in the context of it being about this Semitic plot to control the world is because the aliens dominate through media and banking and like actually there's like a bunch of people who talk about the scene when rowdy roddy piper goes into a bank and it's like all the people who work at the bank are aliens and they're like see that's what i mean that's that's the jews right there running up the commerce and like when he looks at the money yeah and then it's like he goes straight from the bank to the television station and those are the two places that are like the main alien zone so that's like the red pill shitheads. That's their because that part of their conspiracy theory is actually accurate. Like not the part about it being Jews, <laughs> but the part about like the money supply and the media supply being poison. The, yeah, the place where we get our ideology yeah, and how yeah. we internalize our ideology. So I was kind of interested in what and John Carpenter tweeted to yeah. say. This isn't about Jews. Yeah, this is specifically <laughs> about yuppies. Yeah, which I thought was kind of cool, and and I guess sort of struck. So against. John Carpenter is awesome. The journey we have taken. Yeah, John Carpenter fucking rules. I just think, again, like in a lot of ways, his movies kind of not predict the era we're living in now, but they fit in so well with a lot of the concerns that we have I now. I was pretty amazed. Yeah, how relevant think, it seemed. I think John Carpenter should do the music for this podcast. Oh, John Carpenter's music is so good. Should you send him like an email? Or maybe call him? Maybe we should I go should to his house. Does anybody have his number I'm, or address? I have a feeling he's John probably... John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> at, at bloodstab.org. Um, <laughs> I I think he's probably pretty accessible online. But... AJC. So yeah. Tweet at him. Yeah. So, don't, so cut the part where you call him an idiot. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, I don't know. Also there's, in the previous episodes. Yeah, there's something about him that just feels really <laughs> unconsciously brilliant or like not outsider Naive. artist. It would be but, less insulting yeah. if you in, said effortlessly. Right. In some way, that's like a compliment. Or like, right? unst- like it's unselfconsciously. Totally yeah, it's unselfconsciously. It's unstudied. It's just sort of like... Yeah, I made these just fucking movies. Supernaturally, unpretentious. Like, na- not supernaturally. Just You're naturally, saying, yeah, like, brilliant. Just has really interesting ideas that just come out effortlessly through his movies. Yeah, and in a way that it, again reminds me a lot of like the Ramones, who were just and they, they I can say comfortably were fucking idiots. Were just like four morons from Queens who just like somehow had metabolized the rest of pop music into something so succinct and so brilliant and we're just able to express it perfectly. And I think that that's like, it feels that similar degree of effortlessness. I Where, agree that you, it's hard to get dumber than the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> like what's the Ramones documentary called? End of the century. End of the century. That is like quite a portrayal. Some, some schmucks <laughs> they are real stupid. <laughs> and uh, Dee Dee is the stupidest one. <laughs> I gotta see this. I mean, I hesitate. DD, yeah, I hesitate at this point in American history to suggest that there's anybody at the bottom of the intelligence totem pole, oh, other than Trump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. I mean, I don't think the Ramones could like read. Yeah, Just, yeah. I think that that. I don't know. Well, that, yeah, but we I know that learned, Trump. I think read. they learned how to read and then forgot. <laughs> That's <laughs> how dumb we're talking. Honestly, it didn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I. I hate. like dunking on trump because he's so easy to dunk on but yeah i think actually sam is right that i don't know that trump can read like i think he probably could at some point sort of i mean he probably knows what letters are and like he can read phonetically (laughs) probably no but he doesn't dude yeah like we're talking about two different things yeah we are talking we're talking about (laughs) literacy versus (laughs) in curiosity all i'm saying is dumb He's pretty, yeah. stupid. He's pretty stupid. Yeah. Apparently, like they have to put a lot of extra pictures on like the memos that they yeah. send and around. Literally, so the word Trump. <laughs> so okay, so I will like say he won't read it if like he's a not in it. Iron- yeah. Ironic, ironic that his um that like the the main uh way he's come to like be known, like his main calling card, is putting his name on stuff. Considering how like subliterate he is you'd have to read his name which is like i think expresses an internal anxiety he knows how to read the word trump he knows how to read the word trump is there anything yeah you want to talk about asher i mean other than this sort of so is this movie about jews (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't know this is always this is always the thing that it's like the jews are the stand-in scapegoat for the failures of a much broader economic system you know it's like it's sort of like easy to like what yeah, this is something I tell my students a lot when when we sort of learn about like historical anti-Semitism is that it's something that's existed over thousands of years. You can actually read about it in Rome, and it's because it's a very obvious subpopulation within a larger population mm-hmm. that's one incredibly easy to identify and two has wealth, right? And so it's a very easy thing for historically has any had yeah historically uh, has, has had. had but like all through the the period in Russia where there were pogroms, right, and stuff, it wasn't because the Jews were wealthy. That's true. Yeah, and so I think it does a, a twofold of like any sort of wannabe authoritarian or successful authoritarian, like it's a double bonus for them because they say, you know, on the one hand, you have a group that you can sort of get a lot of people together in hating, and in doing that, you also can potentially expropriate a lot of money so here's yeah that's true but i want to say one thing that i think that is really really obscured every time we every time anybody talks about anti-semitism 
throughout history, the persecution of outgroups has been inescapable and like incredibly violent, like horrific beyond all compare. This has happened to many, many, many groups. Uh, some of those groups are now extinct and can't tell their stories. And, you know, I mean, the way that Protestants and Catholics treated each other for centuries was, was horrific, like unimaginably awful. But the main difference is that Jews are the only one of the only groups that were c- continued in the West or in the, uh, you know, first world, Western world, continue to be vilified in this way or into mod- modernity. I think that the idea that the Jews were a persecuted outgroup at the exclusion of anybody else throughout history is wrong, but they, it, it, Jews are exceptional in that this kept happening. And I mean, there there are reasons for that, and there are historical the, reasons for that. It's also the African diaspora, which yeah. would be similar in today's world. Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not lo- as long a history of it. As yeah. Sophie likes to say, there's no, uh, there's no hierarchy of pain. Yeah. I think that's a it's good... very wise. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a house of pain, though. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, I, think, I feel like... I feel like, I feel like come on the show, I feel Everlast. like we're jumping around uh, topics a lot here. <laughs> oh, man. So we... I mean, I got to get up. All right. So should we throw get it to down, endorsements? Yes. Yeah. Should we get up to get down? I mean, I don't Ironic, know. There, ironically, oh, yes. Actually, <laughs> sure. yeah. All right, Sam, what do you got? My endorsement for this week is learn to drive stick... I, Ooh, I need I don't to, do to do that. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right, Alan, what do you got? Oh, I have nothing. All right, Raph. I guess I'll endorse uh, H-Mart. Yes. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> so it's good. A hoot. I got, uh, for Asher's birthday, I got a bunch of just random crap from there that was like ba- they'd actually actually thrown it out and i just went through their garbage <laughs> and i stopped a guy from in the midstream pissing on it and i <laughs> <laughs> brought it to Asher's birthday party and, and it was a hit and it was a hit <laughs> did you tell people that it had been peed on uh i just figured well they, they were all people <laughs> he met on the the british golden showers board so <laughs> it worked out <laughs> the england wales pissy boy that was a very weird Board. conversation I had with another like mutual friend of ours. And I'm not going to dox this person or like kink shame them, but they were like, yeah, man, nothing's as satisfying as watching like a nice stream of piss fall <laughs> over you. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Wait, who said that? Whoa. Tell us off. My, I'll tell, tell you off, off the air. No, but uh, what was the context? Yeah. They what were, was the They context? were talking about their sex life and I was like, I don't how really want to hear this. Yeah. My endorsement this week is, uh, Suru Tantan, I don't know how to say it, Udon Noodle House uh, in Union Square, but it's... Your Japanese is really good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a hard... I mean, it's not a hard language. It's not a hard language to pronounce. It is a no. hard language to speak or understand. Well, it's like Suru Tantan. I, for I just, Gaijin. Yeah, it's a really good so place. Really good. Udon is delicious. It's not something that I think of as being like necess- like necessary of devoting an entire restaurant and i was surprised when a cousin of mine recommended it and uh carolyn and i went yeah and uh it's really really good carolyn got the curry ram or curry udon and i got the sukiyaki and they were both amazing sukiyaki yeah i know all right <laughs> this place is really good <laughs> go there <laughs> two, restaurant nice. two restaurant wrecks two restaurant wrecks and an h mart yeah basically we're we just should. fat asses obsessed with fucking food yeah. <laughs> my, my recommendation this week is obesity <laughs> get on the train baby hmm. all right i have another semi-endorsement 
the new Panda Bear EP. No. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize there was a... Fuck that guy. Asher <laughs> really hates Panda Bear, and then he describes Panda Bear. He's like, that does sound good, actually. Yeah, it actually does yeah, sound good. Yeah, the new EP, it sounds kind of like Brian Wilson meets, <laughs> For a change. meets Brian Wilson. Yeah, exactly. It sounds really good. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> it's just like... I don't know. I mean, all of that pentatonic stuff, like when that came out, when fucking Vampire Weekend. Wait, I'm just on. bitter that all these people had huge hit records Alan, at the same time you, I was touring. You didn't, um, you didn't tell people what the name of the EP was. Oh yeah, which is a the day a day with the homies. Yeah, holy crap! <laughs> all right, that's very panda bear. Yeah, <laughs> he's cool. basically like a a fish head. Oh god. <laughs> all right, wait, hang on. Should we say goodbye? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. Uh, I'm at Case of Piles. At Highly Affiligent. At Spectral Taint. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H-A-U-S. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Bye. Bye.